Since flip phones, I was trying to slide. Go bananas, trying to be the apple of your eye. Real shit, baby. Got me stressed on What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 75 of the My Parents Office podcast. I am your host, Andrew Diaz. Today, we have a Brett's question pertaining to it, it is pertaining to big news in the wrestling community. Um, and then an interview with you, now a UConn alum. She just graduated uh, this past week. Um, and singer Grace Lawton, who's a part of the was a part of the Yukon Cordial acapella group, all females. Uh, so we talked about her music career, um, balancing being in the cordials and all that type of stuff to look forward to in the interview. So yeah, stay tuned for that. But first, I've got Brett here via Zoom. He's watching uh bare knuckle uh bare knuckle boxing in the background. So uh Brett, what's going on? What's up, buddy? Yeah, no, my question has less to do with wrestling in general, but more it has to do with representation based on that news that came out today with Stanford keeping the 11 sports that they previously agreed on dropping. Yep. My question is, obviously it's a good thing that they're keeping all said sports, but when your school, is, when your school town, whoever, is kind of contemplating on dropping the sport that you work so hard on being a part of, really want to continue being part of that school and representing that school that was like so easily ready to drop you or at the same time you put your blood sweat and tears into being in this program um are you going to do whatever you can to keep it a reality that's a good question well so i i want to look first stanford deciding this so late fucked over a lot of student athletes that probably already transferred or have and, them put out the door. Yeah, no, and other schools. Like, other schools yeah. had – I'm – like, I don't know the other sports specifically that got dropped. I know it was – I know field hockey was one of them. That, I, I can pull it up right now. Okay, I feel like it was a lot of, like – I know it was a lot of, like, clubbish sports. Like, I think fencing was one. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least on the wrestling standpoint and other sports in general, um, it definitely messed up schools that – we're planning on filling that weight class. Like, I'm pretty sure Shane Griffith was planning on going to UNC, which would have been an amazing get for them. Yeah, so now they're left with a hole in their lineup. It kind of botches their re- UNC's recruiting, botches also Stanford's recruiting because you have the recruits that were set to come in that had probably committed maybe a year prior and now they found other homes. So their recruiting class is probably set back an entire year. Um, but so I have the, the uh, what they were, was set to cut, be cut. It was men's volleyball, men's and women's fencing, women's lightweight rowing, men's rowing, field hockey, squash, synchronized swimming, wrestling, uh, and co-ed and women's sailing. Um, and it would have affected, it says 240 athletes and 22 coaches directly. So I saw something. I don't know if I, I think they got rid of a lot of the coaches still. Oh, really? I don't, I can't confirm that, but there was a lot of, I read like comments on something. I didn't really read deep in the article, but it feels like a lot of the sports are going to have to get a new coaching staff. Which that that's also crazy too because now you're also set back because a lot of the hires are made in usually the right after a season ends and like wrestling is the one we're most versed in when it comes to the sports that were dropped. If they were really looking for a coach at that time, like if a coach was already said to be fired, I don't know if the Stanford the Stanford wrestling coaches are out, but they would have looked to pick somebody up right away after the season ended. Now you're hitting the summer. You were prepared to not have a program. Now you have a program. And if you don't have, you can may have a head coach, but if you don't have an assistant or multiple assistants and are missing out on that, that's a huge blow. I mean, there's still guys that are looking for coaching gigs that would be an assistant for Stanford, but you're not getting the cream of the crop guys that you probably would have wanted to target. No, and never mind um, the actual quality of the coach. You're getting rid of that chemistry that they have with the student athletes. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be very tough because I think a lot of the guys are going to come in. A lot of the uh, coaches will come in under odd circumstances. A lot of the athletes 
are going to be sticking around that probably want to transfer, wanted to transfer, or just couldn't find a place to transfer. So, like, it's going to be a really weird uh, dynamic, I think, for a lot of these athletes and coaches. Yeah, and I like to think that the dynamic between an athletic department and each team is important. And if you're going into said program, going like it's your first year of coaching, you already don't feel comfortable with that said athletic program. You're already starting off on a bad foot. Definitely. Absolutely. You're already not as comfortable going up to somebody. Like it's weird. Um, Like I said, of course I'm happy that it's back, but from the student athlete perspective, I don't want to represent you if you don't want to stand by me. Not at all. No, I completely, I completely get that. Um, and it's, it's very tough because it, it, the, the situation becomes a lot trickier too because of the school Stanford is. You're going there because you were A, a top athlete. Um, you were a top wrestler. You were a top fencer. And a lot of the sports that were listed um, – kids go to different clubs and different trainers. A lot of these, some of the sports your high school may not have had if you were a fencer, if you did row, stuff like that. So did you say swimming or no? Yeah, swimming was a part of That's that. That's not a small sport. No, but I also look at it. You went because you were a top athlete and trained really hard, but you also went because you were a 4.0 student or at least a 3.8 student that scored real high on your SAT. Stanford is a great school. It's like Duke for the West Coast. So now kids were also at a disadvantage transferring because they don't want to go to, no disrespect, but a school like Rutgers. They were looking, like, I once again, bring it back to wrestling because that's what we know from this situation. Kids were looking at Northwestern, Michigan, UNC, or even the Ivy League. Well, the EIWA schools, a lot of those are the Ivy League or Patriot League schools that are top education so for you to pretty much now these kids are stuck on an island. I don't know what the other sports, what their situation is, if there's more schools they can transfer to with top academics. But it's really tough to have a Stanford education for two years and then go to a subpar academic school um, in the Big Ten, maybe or in the Big 12. And you lose that. You lose that. Um, since we are. Speaking on the wrestling side, I do know a lot of the athletes who are going to be graduating from Stanford, like doing everything like in three years, like do all the summer classes and all. And then once they finish with that, the second semester of the following season, um, they'd be going for their uh, next degree. Mm -hmm. And they still have their... You're already at a disadvantage if you're going in the second semester too. That's another way Stanford screwed these kids over. Yeah. Um, and even if you look at a fall sport, like I think men, uh, like, I don't know what season a fencing is in or a crew is, but like, if, if it's in the fall, now kids are trying to graduate in like say three and a half years or three years and look to transfer. They're missing an, uh, if it's a fall sport, they're missing a whole year of eligibility at that point. And we'll just have to kind of sit around for another year at another school after they transfer their eligibility just becomes so botched. And this is just, like, like, like you said, I'm happy that it's back, but you really put uh, about 250 athletes in a very, very tough position. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a bit different if, talking about the representation, I feel like it's a little bit different if you are a Cali kid, like you're from California and your whole yep. is there to begin with, that it's not a big deal to stay there because you're already around your family. Let's just say you're from, like, I think – What's Griffith? What it what where he's a Jersey. He's Jersey. Player. Exactly. Yeah. So what's really besides the academics and I being the face of a program, what's really keeping you there? You're not away from your family. You're around a program that doesn't really care about you. Like obviously I'm not saying to leave because that's what you that that's his home. Like, and he's done everything in his life to make it there. He's not going to go 180. Like, it, but at the same time, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like, I don't know. And, and especially, um, well, he was a Bergen kid, right? Correct. So it, he moves from across the country to, if he transferred to UNC, he would have been a seven and a half hour drive from his family. So yeah. it, it like, 
I don't know. And especially Griffith would have been if Stanford never was cutting wrestling. Griffith was going to be the poster boy for Stanford wrestling. Now, like like you said, do you want to be the poster boy for a team that was ready to just get rid of you? Um, Because I I imagine him winning the national championship played a big factor in them keeping the program, Um, at at least wrestling. I don't imagine all the the other 10 sports, but I mean, that definitely, I think, could have been a a huge factor. Well, I, I believe there were multiple lawsuits going um, Stanford's way about like, I don't know what's behind the word damages, but toward the student athletes. That, that's not very, physical damages, obviously, but. Yeah, that's very, damage is a very coy way to put it because it's like. Again, I didn't say I've read all the articles, but <laughs> no, 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 I know. But like, if it if it is, you don't really know what that it, that could mean because yeah, there were and damages for, when uh, at Michigan State with the gymnastics team versus, and you get damages when a trainer isn't uh, like botches medical. Like uh, an example for uh, somebody that sued was uh, Cade Mays played guard at Georgia. He cut off half of his pinky in a folding chair and transferred to Tennessee. And I believe him and his father sued the school for damages. So it's very severe. You really don't know what the damages could be, which I I find that interesting. Financial damages, packing up all your shit and moving to California and then having to do all that again at a different school. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was reading an article in the, in the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, I found, I saw it on Twitter, but they, they, I guess this isn't, the first team to do this, at least in the, I believe this year, William and Mary was in the same situation. I think they may have had like seven teams on the chopping block. Brought them back. What? Where is that? Virginia. Okay. They're a division one school and um, Dartmouth was in the same boat. They actually cut the programs, but then later reinstated them. That's even worse. If you really want to think about it, because now you got kids that already transferred out and that now you're, just, you're like, all right, we'll just rebuild these programs. I don't care what sport it is. It, 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 if you're, if from football to fencing, fencing, you maybe have 10 kids on a roster. Football, you got 120. It's impossible to just try to it's, – it's very difficult, I should say. Not impossible, but to build a Division One program up to the level to at least field a team rather – even compete. It's crazy. It, yeah, it's, such, it's something that shouldn't even have to be done. Like, yeah, you know how much I don't remember the number. My statistics are very poor for this episode. Um, all good, all good. Money that they raised. I'm just strictly talking the wrestling program. I, I assume all the other sports raised their own portion as well. But strictly the wrestling seat, wrestling team, they raised enough money for them to be alive for like five plus years. Like, and, and they raised enough money to add a women's team if it came down to the title nine, too. For so, sure. And, um, and, and like I, wrestling too, like we know the community it is. I don't, I don't think the Stanford men's wrestling team would have had a problem giving some of those donated funds or even the people that donated, I don't think would have had an issue with them starting a women's program from those funds to be able to keep the, the men's team. California is like the best state in women's wrestling, like top three, like would have no problem probably making that a dynasty. It, it, it's, they would be one of the first major division one schools to add a women's program. Yeah. I think Iowa did, but one of oh, Iowa did. I want to say, yeah. So they probably, okay. So second, made that up, but um, they're up there. It's not like, like there's a, not a lot thing. of, not a lot of schools that have women's programs, let alone like big names. Like we know sacred heart because we're in Connecticut, but if you ask just a normal person from like, the Midwest, what what type of college, like where Sacred Heart University was, they wouldn't know. Like no. that, that's what I'm saying. Like it's big, it's a bit, it's a big name for us in New England, but you could give me a college in Idaho that has a, a women's program. I wouldn't know it. So dude, also with us being Connecticut, so many times I've mentioned this story to people and they keep thinking I'm saying Stamford. Oh no, that's yeah. what I mean. Well, I always, I always thought it was Stanford, Connecticut, like for like the longest time. I just, I didn't realize like there was the difference in the spelling. So, and it sounds so similar when you're saying it too. It 100%, but yeah. 
But like also back on that with the Dartmouth and William and Mary, those are also two high academic schools. So you cut, I I don't know how many teams it was at Dartmouth, but you actually fully cut them. You're losing the majority of your student athletes. Some probably stuck around to keep getting their education, but now they have to transfer in to high academic schools like a, and it's also division one, double a, they don't have the option to like really drop down a level to play division one, double a. It's not like a kid at Stanford where the program was getting cut because they could go to like a, an Ivy league school and play in a diff in a, a quote unquote lower division. These kids had to either go to like another Ivy league school or go to a Patriot league school um, or go to like a division three school, like an Oberlin that's very high academic. So it's super tough when you're cutting uh, athletic teams at a prestigious university like Stanford was doing, like Dartmouth did, and like William and Mary. What's a Patriot school? The Patriot League. So like Lehigh, Bucknell, oh, Colgate. Yeah. yeah, it's like the Pennsylvania, uh, that area. But, I mean, they're probably like the sm- a small step below an Ivy League education. Yeah. I mean, to wrap up my point, um, like I started with, I'm very happy that the – programs are existing and hopefully they'll exist in the foreseeable future on top of the other 10 sports along with it. Like just because they're not as important to us doesn't mean they aren't important to X amount of kids who no, I completely agree in California and nationwide, these kids spend their whole life working toward a goal. And it's pretty ridiculous for a goal to be ripped away from their hands with no control from them whatsoever. Um, do I want to represent someone that doesn't want me, that doesn't really care about me in the long run? No, but yeah. how much national presence that team is going to have in the fall in next season? A lot. So that is a big reason to want to stay as well. That could be a big recruiting. I, I mean, not maybe like the, within the next year, it could be a recruitment pitch for, I like for like the wrestling or field hockey team because it's like they start like we're we're keeping the programs like you are going to be. Uh, kind of a focal point. Like everybody's going to be really be focusing on you within this sports community. So yeah. you'll have a lot of buzz around you. But I also think a big, a big thing about if you want to stick around to the program, I would say like you don't want to represent, but it also depends if your coach is sticking around. Which, yeah, like I said, I'm not sure about that. Right. I mean, like, because especially you got to think with wrestling, there's not a lot of turnover with coaches. So it's the guy that probably recruited you if you're a, a junior, the guy that has worked with you, if you've placed at high tournaments, it's the guy that you kind of attribute a lot of success to at this program. So in, in a lot of wrestlers, wrestler coach relationship is usually in my experience has been pretty good. So it, it's a tight knit family team. So I mean, it, it's very tough, especially a sport like wrestling to want to stick around after your coach gets the boot and your program almost gets the boot. So it, it's, it's, I would say no. Overall, you don't really want to represent a team that was ready to ready to cut cut you. No, but you said a recruiting pitch could be the buzz. Not even just the buzz. You can physically, visually prove that you have like a nationwide backing behind you. Like yeah. people want you to succeed. We raised this much money to keep this program alive. We care about how good you're gonna do. Like we're not like I don't know like. That's a recruiting pitch on its own, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Because now you've built people that are always going to, at least our generation of wrestlers are always going to be like, remember kind of the remember when Shane Griffith went on to win a national title and Stanford ended up keeping the, the sports teams. You're going to build people that will always remember that and always kind of follow the sport. Um, I like how will buy Stanford wrestling merch, I'm imagining, because you don't think so? No, I like how they changed it to kept Stanford wrestling. Oh, did they? The, yeah. Well, there was a Twitter. Uh, I want to check the Twitter account to see if they did that. Because there was the keep Stanford wrestling one. I don't know about the the tag, but I'm pretty sure a post was made with that on there. Yep, they, they put the kept, right. hashtag kept Stanford wrestling. That's awesome. I love that. That's awesome. But, yeah, to answer your Which, question. Which, that's great branding on its own. That If... They're going to make a lot of money with that, to be honest. Uh, th- that should be their warm-ups for next year, like the T-shirts or hoodies with that on it. Might be. Dude literally won a national title and had Keep Stanford Wrestling on the podium. Yeah, in, in the black single in the match. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, to answer your question, I would not really want to be representing the school that was ready to just up and cut my program. No, but you're representing a team. Yeah, it's it's also I also think it's tough when the NCAA is not paying an athlete for them to try to stick around. Not yet. I'm not, I'm not huge on the paying athletes. Um, oh, we'll get into that. That's, a, that's an episode. Yeah, but like I'm so I'm not huge on that. But it's also tough for them to a want to cut your program, b bring you so then bring you back, and now it's like you're going to be making money off of our program now. I think that's very tough. Wait, are you specifically saying the NCAA paying you or like you being able to make money with your name? Both. Well, so I I agree you should make money off of your – like you should – because there was the – kid was a kicker at UCF. Yeah. um, Had had a YouTube channel, and they pretty much were like, you either get rid of your YouTube channel. Because he was making – he went viral, made a lot of money off of it, and they were like – you either get rid of your YouTube channel or you like, if you don't, then you can't be a student athlete here. And he chose to keep the YouTube channel. I think in a, in a, if you're selling, like if you, you have like a merch company on the side and you're making money off that, I think you should be able to do stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not huge on the NCAA giving no. stipends and stuff like that. I agree. Um, I'm just, especially because free you, tuition, that's already a lot of money. That's right. where I look at it, especially at a yeah. school like a Stanford, if you're getting, or a Duke, if you're getting a scholarship there, you're getting a top education in the world. Um, yeah. I'm not huge on you guys getting paid. And especially if you're a division one athlete, you have a lot of perks that come with it. it it's very, I'm, I'm against it. I mean, never mind just the top education, but can you quickly look up what the uh, tuition is for Stanford? Whew. Yeah, that's, do you want to take a guess? I don't have it up yet. Uh, I don't want to take guess. <laughs> I'll I'll say, do you want to go above or under? Oh, well, I, so I was gonna get sixty five. It's fifty three thousand a year. I would have guessed fifty, which it's ridiculous for a year that, or a semester. Oh, is it semester? Um, so it's okay. So that might be per year or no? I don't know because it says. Estimated four-year cost at Stanford is just is just under three hundred thousand. It's a lot of money. Yeah, so technically, in a way, that's what you're getting paid, which is a lot of money. And you can't give that to every. And if you were like wanted to give compensation, you can't be giving that to every athlete. I mean, I'm just, no, I'm just like they're kids. All no, I, I, it's a very slippery slope when you get on that. But I think. Once, if you, you, I think if you have a YouTube channel or like I said, if you sell t-shirts, yeah, no, I agree. Small business that you're able to run while also being a student athlete, you should be able to make money off that because you're working and doing what another student probably is doing. That isn't an athlete. You're doing stuff like that, but I don't, I'm I'm, like, we keep coming back to, I'm I'm against paying the athletes. Yeah. I mean, from the athlete trying to make money themselves, which this is a whole different conversation. Um, the athlete making money themselves, it should not have the name of the school. In my opinion. Oh, what, wait, what do you mean? Like if I'm selling, like me personally, I put up a store on my IG. Yeah. I'm selling shirts with my name on it. Like if I'm a top football player or whatever. It shouldn't say the name of the school. Oh, so, oh, oh, I know. So it shouldn't say like Brett Castle, like Stanford wrestling. Correct. Like that. Oh, I agree with that. If you, but if you're making like your own t-shirts or something or like, yeah, if you have a YouTube channel that you're able to make merch off of and sell and you have like your YouTube channel name on it. Um, but if you keep it disconnected from the school, I agree. I do agree. But like, if you start bringing the school into it, that's where I think you'll have an issue. Um, and yeah. I, I do agree with that being an issue because now you're making money off of the school versus it, it's, it, it would be crazy, I think, but yeah. Um, cool. But, so yeah, that'll wrap that up. Those that, that was a fun one to do. But uh, now we've got the Grace Lawton interview. Uh, it was awesome talking to Grace um, about her music career, um, how she got into music, and being a part of an uh, all female acapella group. So yeah, stay tuned for that, guys. All right. Now joining the show, we have on uh, singer Grace Lawton. Grace, how are you? Good. How are you? 
I'm doing good. Uh, happy to get you on. Uh, you're a class of 21 from UConn, so you just graduated. How does that feel? Um, it's a little sad. I have to tell you that, but definitely ready to graduate and move on to my next chapter in life. <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, we've had a couple different UConn artists on. Trey's been on before. Uh, Jr. has been on twice. Uh, Sutz is coming on later this week. So. I, I, the UConn uh, kind of music scene, I think, is very interesting because you all kind of work together and are work with everybody uh, at least once, it seems like. So I, I find that super interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you worked with uh, Trey on the song, basically. Yes. Um, what was that like? Because I know you were in acape- like an acapella group and then you do. I don't say I don't mean like an actual song, but you're doing a song where there's a beat with it instead of you guys making the music yeah so what basically happened was is that um by word of mouth um Robbie found out that I was a singer um through one of our mutual friends and he reached out to me on Instagram and he basically said like hi like I'm looking to make an album and I really need a female voice on one of my tracks and like I would love for you to be on it like at this point like I thought that he had maybe heard me sing before but um Mm -hmm. I literally showed up the day of he had uh sent me the track he sent me a couple lyrics and I sang like a couple verses and he's like oh you're actually pretty good and I was like you've never heard me but he just invited me to come and I did it with JR and he was recording it the whole time he was super super nice and they were like it was it was awesome like a very encouraging environment too because it's the first time I've really like recorded something professionally like that uh, besides Mm -hmm. an acapella when it was more of a group thing like uh so it was my first time recording individually so it was really awesome that's cool now I I don't want to sound I don't know if this is a dumb question but um (laughs) You were in the acapella group. It was the cordials choir. Yes. Okay. Okay. I want to make sure, but was it anything like pitch perfect? Because that's, I think the only with uh, pop culture, that's the only, I think real acapella that a lot of people on the outside have actually seen. And it, even with me, that's all I've seen. So. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, so we actually, we don't compete personally. There's um okay. one or two other groups who do compete, but we personally don't. It okay. is a little similar with like the people who give the pitches and then we're all like harmonizing and, in, in, you know, and like all that kind of stuff. It kind of is a little similar to that. Um. But we don't do um, type mashup songs. We're definitely like a more like empowering kind of girl. Um, I have an, I'm an all uh, female group. Okay. So it is like, I guess you can kind of draw the similarity between Pitch Perfect, but um, it's a little different. We don't really compete, but um, it's definitely the same vibe. Um, definitely all the girls are very enthusiastic and everyone loves to like break out in song. It's like 100% like that. Like everyone is like that in the group. <laughs> that's cool. Now, do you get that a lot? Because I feel like people that don't know about acapella, it's, that's the immediate yes. <laughs> first thing that everybody goes to right away. Yeah. They're, do you have a pitch pipe? I'm like, no. <laughs> One of the girls in our group actually has perfect pitch. So like you can give her a note and she'll give you the pitch. So that's kind of like our pitch pipe, but yeah, it's, it's a little similar, but um, we don't compete or anything. So it's kind of like the difference. Now, have you been uh, in like a group with like a co-ed group? Because you say you're in an all female group. Like, have you uh, noticed the, like, what's the big difference when you're uh, singing where it's like half girls, half guys versus all girls? Yeah. So basically when I auditioned, I had only ever been in choir when I was in high school. I auditioned my sophomore spring. And the diff- the huge difference is, is that like, we need people to fill those lower notes. And that's where like kind of the difference is when you have a, an, a male group, you'll have tenors and basses. Whereas when you're an all female group, like we can't hit those low notes. So I was a soprano all throughout high school and then had to drop down and like do all the, like if you, we have an album out, um, it's called um, A Cherry on Top and it was the Yukon Cordos. We recorded a, an album and I'm singing all the lower parts because I got put on bass, but I normally, I can sing pretty high. I can do like whistle tones and stuff like that, but they dropped me down to bass because my voice can go low. So that's like kind of the big difference is that we can't do um, arrangements with too low of notes because none of us can hit it. So that's probably the biggest difference. Gotcha. Now you said you were in choir in high school um at what point did you realize like that I I always say like you were good at music like was it when you were younger or did you hit high school and kind of just join choir and then find that to be your niche 
Yeah. So um, I was more of like a theater person in high school, which okay. is surprising because when you come and do um, music, like I recorded with Robbie and like an acapella group, they don't really want people with more theatrical voices because they don't really blend. They're more nasally. Mm -hmm. So when I was in high school, I didn't really like audition for solos. I didn't really try to like stand out in the music scene just because I wasn't like confident with my abilities of singing. Um, but as soon as I got to college, I was like, okay, acapella is something I definitely would want to try. Like I knew I had voice and um it was the day of auditions for uh, cordials and it was at like they have auditions until like 1 a.m so my audition was at like 12 30 in the morning and I was like Jeez. I'm I don't want to go I'm not gonna go and this other girl was auditioning she's like you have to go like you just have to and so I went yeah. loved it and definitely like my voice is like a little more nasally so that was kind of like one of the issues I ran into so definitely blending is something I've had to work on personally I had like a, a vocal coach for a while so that was something I worked on with blending with other people because my voice is kind of you you can hear it people know my voice when I'm even talking um so that was something I went through but definitely in high school I knew that I wanted to sing and I knew that I could sing but it was definitely like getting out there and putting myself out there and auditioning for solos auditioning for groups that I didn't have the confidence for and then I came to college and I was like okay like I want to do something with this now when you say like the nasally voice how does how do you work on that because I feel like it's very tough to change your voice especially I imagine when you're singing too because you probably want to revert back to what is natural for you so how were you able to kind of keep like to prevent that uh, the nasally uh sound to come in yeah your um, so I think that um, joining my acapella group has definitely, definitely helped me a lot with that. Like I said, I have a musical theater background. So mm -hmm. when I got trained professionally, like by a vocal coach, she was more um, of a theatrical type of vocal coach. So when you sing in like in theater, you have more of a nasally kind of tone. Like it's not really something that would blend with other people. So when I came and joined Cordials, um, they kind of told me that my voice wasn't the best for blending. Like it's a good solo. It's a good mm -hmm. solo voice, but they kind of taught me to have more seeing from my um it's like not really from my face but it's more so like my stomach okay. so definitely worked on that um but they had so we had so many workshops they taught us so much I've learned so much about music like I can harmonize with any song now like they've taught me so much about like my own voice and also how to blend with others but it was definitely kind of hard because you want to revert back to like how you normally sing in the car right. but yeah, you want to be able to blend with others to make it sound the best. And that's also what I did with Robbie. I didn't like it wouldn't sound that great if I had my no more nasally kind of voice. So I had to kind of mm -hmm. go back to like a more like stomach um, tone to, to make it sound good. Now, when you're like singing in the car or in the shower, like everybody does. Yeah. Do you focus on uh, keeping on singing from your stomach or do you go back to your normal? Because I feel like if I were doing it, I would just go back to my normal. <laughs> Especially if I'm in the car alone, you just you're kind of you sing reckless like that's just yeah how it is. true I mean it depends on the song like if I'm singing a song that's like a pop song like I'll definitely try to you know do like a normal kind of voice but then if I'm singing like kind of like a more musical theater song I'll definitely go back to like a performing type of like nasally type voice but gotcha. I think it varies I, I definitely can control it and I definitely like sometimes I don't notice it but I definitely have learned how to blend it which is mm -hmm. which is exactly where I want to be so no, what got you into theater in, uh, in high school? Like, was it something that you kind of were brought up doing or did you have like a bunch of friends that were doing it and you just decided to kind of uh, try it out and it just kind of stuck with you through high school? Yeah. So when I like before I started high school, all my friends would do like theater camps and stuff. So I obviously when I was like, oh, I'll do that, too. So um, yeah. I started doing that with them. And then it kind of translated into high school and doing that. And then like by my senior year, I was like I had like a leading role in the musical and it was just like an awesome experience. I really liked it. But I knew that I wanted to shy away from that and kind of go more into like a performing type of just uh, like focus on musical and not really like performing, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Like a more like, yeah, like pop kind of vibe than um, a th musical like theater kind of thing. No, what was your, what, what play did you guys do your senior year? So we did um, like a, a taste of Broadway type thing. So we did school of rock and I had, okay. and, yeah. So in the Broadway one, like I was one of the, I, if, I don't know if you've ever seen School of Rock, but it, yeah. the Miranda Cosgrove girl. like uh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people say that I that was typecasted for me, which is a little insulting. But um, <laughs> in, in the musical, I had my own song, and that was, like, a really awesome experience. So it was awesome doing that. That's cool. Now, do you have, like, in high school, how nerve-wracking was it to go 
in front of especially in college I imagine your confidence built but like when you're a high school kid especially you know you've got classmates in the audience uh what what were the nerves like for that especially growing through high school from like freshman to senior year yeah so people I mean I mean like to like this day people are like oh theater like that's like not cool Mm -hmm. at all so that was definitely kind of like the vibe in in high school that people didn't really like come out that much for our shows but um I always found it to be like really really fun and like I always have loved performing no matter what so like I would not care about like I'd post it I'll be like come to the show like I'm doing this and like and especially like now when college I feel like people think that that's so cool and like I will freely be like I was a theater kid and like people will be Mm -hmm. like that is cool because people in like college like don't care so I mean yeah you definitely have people in high school and everyone's kind of going through an awkward phase where like oh my theater is like not that cool but um definitely now like I kind of own it rather than being like (laughs) do you think like with high school you kind of had like when you're performing you have to own it because if you don't and you're kind of playing awkward that's almost worse than like when you're trying to play it cool versus just Im- fully embracing it. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I just, I think if I like held back and all, like it'd just be like not even worth it to go through all the practices and rehearsals because mm-hmm. it takes so much time to put on like a huge show like that. Like even like in a high school level, like not even like college level, whatever, like even at a high school level, that's so much time out of your, out of like your week, just like practicing and performing. So you might as well just go like 150% rather than holding back at all. So I was just kind of like, you know, like I'm just going to do this the, to the fullest of my abilities and like I, I don't regret it at all and like I think that's it's really like helped me a lot with like my, my confidence as a performer because now I'll come to like and now I'm in college and like I had mm. like built the confidence to try out for cordials and like I've incorporated music into every single like extracurricular I've done thus far okay. now what do you major in at UConn or what did you major in at UConn so I graduated with a communications and psychology degree okay so What's the, uh, I know you just graduated, you're probably still uh, running off that, but like, what's the plan music wise for you and career wise? Like, how are you going to try to balance the two? Are you going to try to balance the two? Um, so I mean, like, I definitely could see myself kind of like doing something with music in the future. Like I said, like everything that I did in college, like I really tried to incorporate music. Mm-hmm. Like I was a member of Gamma Phi Beta and I was like the song chair. So at like, I, I was in charge of like organizing a group of girls to sing like songs for us okay. and then I was on club swim as well and I'd always sing the national anthem and that was awesome so I always kind of like had a little thing for music so it's a huge part of my life and I can't see myself letting it go soon but my mom is like my biggest supporter and she's like oh we need to like send basically we need to send basically to Justin Bieber and I'm like I don't know <laughs> but um it doesn't hurt to tra- it doesn't hurt to tra- <laughs> yeah I could definitely see myself like recording my own music in the future um I we professionally recorded one of one of my songs for the cordials it's on our um Instagram and that was really cool so I could definitely see myself doing something like that with my own music career-wise I'm not too sure um I don't know. I have, I, I have a major that I can do a lot of stuff with. So right. as of right now, I'm kind of just like figuring that out and kind of just like, I just graduated. So I need like, I need a couple on the summer at least. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Now you said you're a member, you were a member of the club swim team. Did you swim in high school too? I did. Yeah. So I, that, that all went on like during the same time. Like I was really, I was really busy in high school, but I was really, really busy in college. Like I had the three things that I was doing and I'd constantly be running from place to place, like missing an hour of this, like missing an hour of that to make it to the other thing. So mm-hmm. I just, I like to say busy, but it definitely was, was a little um, hard. At any point, did you kind of come, like, did you, I imagine maybe like sophomore, junior, did you maybe come to the thought like, I may have to quit one of these things. And at what point, at which one would have been on the chopping block for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely did come to that kind of point my junior year, definitely because I had positions in like uh, a couple of them. So it was getting a little overwhelming and having, especially that first week when you have like recruitment for sorority, you're recruiting new singers and you're recruiting new members for club swim. That Mm -hmm. was like probably the busiest week, my junior year, that was like the busiest week of my entire life. And that was really overwhelming. And I think the first one that would have to have gone would have been club swim just Mm -hmm. because it 
was kind of just like a two day a week thing. And like, I was newly into the cordials and I, that is, it's such a humongous commitment. Like that is, it's like six hours a week. Plus you have to do your own stuff at home. And so that probably would have been the first one, uh, club some probably would have been the first one to go. Cause it's kind of like, was a more kind of fun thing that I did yeah. when I could. With, when you say like you practiced at home, would you, I'm assuming like you had the certain songs you guys were singing. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of keep yourself committed to like making sure you went home to practice? Cause I can imagine like you're singing there. You probably are worn out at w- like what really drove you to kind of want to practice at home and want to get better. So when you're in a group of like 13 girls and you come in for practice and someone's not prepared, like, you know, it, mm-hmm. and you don't want to come. Everyone's tired. Everyone's like taking the time to go home and learn their music. And you don't want to be the one person who comes in unprepared and like ruins it for everyone that everyone has to put in more time. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying before, like I was on a bass part, which is like a very, very key part of songs to keep tempo and to keep pitch. So I definitely, me and like two other girls would always be on that part. So that was definitely very key to like the process of all the songs and practicing them. So I just never wanted to come in unprepared and like screw everybody else up. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely was hard because like I said, like I was really, really busy, but I just didn't want to disappoint the other girls in the group. And I can definitely, it was definitely really hard, but I just didn't, I wanted to like do my part and make sure I delivered. (laughs) So it was more for you, like an accountability thing versus a, a you thing. You wanted to be there for the other 12 girls versus yourself more so I mean I wanted to be good myself but I definitely didn't want to let anyone else down like Mm -hmm. and also like I said like I didn't really come from a background of like singing with other people and blending with other people so I definitely needed to work on like that that aspect of things like all the girls who I sang with came from intense choir backgrounds who were in acapella groups in high school who were who who are music majors there was like three music majors so I came in probably one of the the least educated about singing in a group like this and so I definitely felt that pressure and I definitely wanted to deliver for the other girls in the group so it was it was definitely hard but I just didn't want to disappoint anyone I didn't want to disappoint myself or like waste my own time or anyone else's so that's completely understandable Mm -hmm. um so you mentioned before that you didn't, you haven't really recorded your own, like you have, uh, you recorded, basically you recorded a song. You said, um, when you decide to record down the line, what, what kind of music style are you going to go for? Or do you maybe have like an idea of what it would be like? Um, I definitely really liked the vibe that Robbie has. Like when we recorded that, um, he sent me kind of like a recording of the tempo and the beat that he wanted to do. And, um, one part of it is the part where I kind of go high into like a, that part, I like changed the tempo of that. And like that little, like kind of like rap part, I like came up with all the lyrics and I came up with the beat of that. Um, so kind of something similar to that. I really like the upbeat kind of tempo. Um, so definitely something like pop, but I also really like like R and B kind of like a little slower as well, but definitely like, I don't know if I, if I, I really like her, um, the artist, I really, really like her. (laughs) Um, so maybe something a little similar like R and B wise to that, but, um, I'm not sure. I haven't really like gotten into writing yet. Mm -hmm. I haven't really gotten into writing anything in my own just because I don't really play any instruments. So that's why I had like reached out to Robbie again. And I was like, I'd love to record something with you again, just like to have that. And like, he's so good with everything music related. And so it was like JR. So um now what through high school um like your progression from high school to college what were your a music inspirations at the time and like through that and then who did you try to maybe like model yourself a little bit after when you were singing Um, if you had somebody you modeled yourself after um in high school again like I really think that like I really did focus more on like musical type artists like definitely like musical theater like I was a huge fan of like defying gravity like wicked like all those kinds of things and then when I came to college and I kind of wanted to sing more like pop I mean I love like Ariana Grande like she's an amazing singer um and I try to sing all her songs like I try to do all the kind of like whistle tones and stuff like that a little hard a little high for me but I try my best um um also like I I probably say like 
Taylor Swift like today she's she's okay. really good not so much the country can't really sing country but like kind of like her newer stuff I also really like gotcha now a question we kind of ask everybody I'm, I'm curious uh what your uh antifort will be so we always ask whenever we have an athlete on what their pregame playlist is or a former athlete so I'm very curious as to what your like three songs before you swim what those mm-hmm. are versus maybe like uh, I always call it like a pregame ritual, but like your pre-performance ritual for, uh, for when you're singing in your acapella group. Mm. Like, I want, I'm curious as to how those two differ for you. Yeah. I mean, like before I'm swimming, like I am blasting like anything like rap, like anything like hype up, like probably like big booty mix, honestly, because that's okay. like a mix of like all different things probably before I'm, before I'm going to swim. But before did you I'm listen about- to the most recent one? Did you listen? I to didn't. I didn't. I like um the one that starts with queen and that's like my favorite one. I don't know if it's 14 okay. or 15, but that's like my favorite one. Yeah. I think it's yeah. 15. I could be wrong, okay. but yeah, but I love those. I just think it's a, like a good mix. And it's, it's always like very like builds up to something. Mm-hmm. And that like, especially that one, like that's why I loved it um, before I swim. Definitely listening to music though, because I can't like look around or I get too nervous. Very nervous before I swim. But before I perform, it's definitely just like singing over the songs that we're about to, about to perform. Um, probably just like, I mean, one of our, my favorite songs to perform is Take Me to Church. We sing that. Oh, it's um, a great song. Yeah, so definitely like songs like that. Definitely like running them over in my head and like remembering my parts for them. Did you have a a, a ritual maybe like, um, or even just like through the day before you had a big, uh, before you had your play in high school? Did you have anything like you and some friends would do, like a place you guys would go out to eat or something maybe you would do on your own, just out kind of just to take your mind off it or to prepare yourself for your play? Yeah. So the day, usually the, in high school, the day of like performances, we would all come like before um, each period would start and we'd go to like the bridge, which is like, I went to Daniel Hand High School. So okay. we had like a bridge connecting our two like uh, schools and we'd go to the bridge, like all the kids who were um, in the show and we'd all kind of just like go together and like advertise the show and, and like yell to people like who are like, oh, we're coming to the show tonight. Like da da da. So I think just kind of like being not so much like taking it easy and like um kind of just not trying to like think about anything, but I think just definitely just getting excited about it. Mm-hmm. Like definitely just like hyping it up rather than being like, oh I'm so nervous because I feel like when you have that kind of attitude, you'll just psych yourself out. So yep. definitely just like being excited about it, like getting like like very hyped and like motivated. So definitely that kind of like atmosphere and like again like I would definitely just like run over my lines my songs like I'm and I'm constantly singing and constantly going over stuff especially like when I have like a show or like a performance like I'm constantly practicing like where I'm going so now with Daniel Hand it's a big football high school was that was it did you guys almost feel overshadowed because I can imagine it's a huge sports high school um yeah yes was that definitely tough as a member of uh theater because I can I can imagine it was yeah. So my dad actually coached for Daniel Hand football. Okay. Yeah. So it was definitely like a little bit of like a competitive kind of vibe. I mean, also like football was in the fall and like the musical was always in the spring, oh, okay. but definitely, I think definitely being an athlete, but also being in that kind of like, cause I, I feel like there are a lot of people who are either like athletics or they're in kind of like a theater kind of thing. Yeah. But not I think how- blend. Exactly. So I think being in like a blended position, like I learned to like appreciate both like sports and like the arts program. I definitely saw people like paying a lot more attention to like sports rather than like the arts. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think like, again, like as you grow older, like people like look back and like have like an appreciation for both. I just think like, in like kind of an awkward time, people are like, oh, sports, like Daniel Hand, like football team, like da 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 Not really thinking about our arts program, but I think like looking back, people are like, you know, it's actually pretty cool that you did that, so. It's definitely cool thinking because I think if you mention Hand to anybody in Connecticut, they automatically think uh, NFL players, state championships, all that. So if, if somebody acknowledges that you did, theater and like we're able to acknowledge that I think that's pretty cool Uh, it must feel good at least yeah I mean I came I mean going to UConn like I'm going to school with over 200 people I went to high school with oh wow so yeah it's it is absolutely I don't go anywhere without seeing like someone I know like I see someone everywhere so um definitely kind of yeah definitely like that reputation like kind of like carried with me like being that person but like I'm like so proud of everything I did in high school and I'm so happy that I joined like I did swimming and I did like theater and I did everything I did there because it's gotten me to like where I am today. So I, I don't regret any of it. 
Now, did you want to do some type of like theater in college? Because I know colleges have uh, different different uh, types of theater and stuff. So did that play any factor into where you wanted to go to college and uh, ending up at UConn? So I actually uh, was thinking about swimming D3 um, at Dickinson. Okay. So that was like okay. one kind of like path I was thinking about. I didn't think like theater would really take me anywhere because I wasn't like, I never like put myself out there to the point where I was like, getting leads in every single show like I only really put myself out there for the for the last show and it was kind of a little too late because I was already kind of decided on a college I yeah. on. Um, but when I came to college the first thing I did was join club swimming and I joined a sorority and I was like I don't really know if I have time for anything else and then like I kind of stumbled upon um, cordials and acapella and I was like maybe I can make an exception for like one more thing like I can fit it into my schedule yeah I never I never really thought of doing anything like theatrical at college just because like I don't think uh, UConn has like a humongous like performing arts program. Like I know we have a fine arts school, but it's not like huge. So gotcha. I just kind of thought that like cordials like would be my one thing, like my musical thing to kind of like channel that part of me. Now, before I let you go, Grace, what would be, I, I always kind of bring it back to sports, but what would be your recruitment pitch to uh, somebody that wants to join cordials? Like what, what's your pitch to them as to why they should try out? Yeah. So especially for cordials, I think that the reason that I joined the group is because it's a very um, cohesive, empowered group of like 13 girls who are all there to not only like make music, but I can genuinely say that I am like best friends with every single girl there. Like I enjoy, it's not something I dread. It's something that I enjoy going to and I love every single girl in it and I want to be better for them and for me. So mm -hmm. if I had to make a pitch for it, I would just say, if you're interested in making music with a group of girls who are as like dedicated and as motivated and passionate about music as you are, then definitely join cordials. <laughs> That's awesome. Grace, I appreciate you coming on. Um, if you ever uh, make music or promoting music, anything like that, uh, we'd love to get you back on to talk about that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. No problem, Grace. Uh, where can people find you on social media um, and the cordials too? Okay. So I'm Grace Lawton one on Instagram. And then the cordials is I think just like Yukon underscore cordials. And then if you look it up, it's like the third post down is dead man's arms, which is my song. So, which we record right. professionally. So that's a good one. <laughs> Sounds good. Grace. I appreciate you coming on. Thank uh, you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the My Parents Ever Office podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes when we bring it to you guys. Thank you. Got me stressed on vacation, no escaping, playing with my head in my heart. She would shut me up quick, like don't even start. But when I found somebody, you tried to pull us apart.